Welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. Well, thanks for listening to the Activate podcast, a ministry of Journey Church International in Lee Summit, Missouri. My name is Ryan, and I serve on the ministry team at JCI, and I'm joined again today by lead pastor uh, Christian Newsom uh, here at Journey Church International in Lee Summit, and we'll we'll be having a conversation about Sunday's message, How to Know the Will of God. The sixth message from our current series, Whispers, How to Hear the Voice of, of God. Pastor Christian, good to have you back on the podcast. Uh, you made reference to the fact that our spiritual walk and how we listen to the voice of God radically impacts our children, our coworkers, and those we may influence through leadership roles. And man, this is so important. Can you, can you uh, speak to the importance of this? Yeah, so one of the things you learn as you study through the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah uh, is that usually the last verse of their story goes something like this. They live just like their dad did. Um, and if they had a righteous dad, I mean, that, that was a good verse. And if they had a kind of a wicked dad, that was a bad verse. Sometimes the end of their story would say, you know, at the end of the day, they walked in the way of their mother. They walked in the way of their grandmother. And if they had a, a righteous mother or grandmother, again, that, that's a good verse. If they had a wicked mother or grandmother, that that's a bad verse. So as you read those, you realize that, that you don't have to look 3,000 years back in Israel's history to see the reality of that verse. Our stories are still being written that way. Almost everyone I know has a whole lot of their mom and dad and their grandma and their grandpa uh, and a former mentor or a coach or a teacher in them. I mean, we don't have to look forward. We can look backwards and believe that spiritual truth. It's like, yeah, I I am a whole lot like the people who either poured into me spiritually or poured into me unspiritually. And as we look at the reality of that, we realize we are the generation that gets to choose how the next generation will walk for the most part because of the influence that we have on them. So if we're parents um, and, and our kids story sounds like this, they ended up being just like their dad spiritually. What does that mean for your kids? If, if our story is they ended up being just like their mother spiritually, what does that mean for our kids? If, if the final verse of their story is they ended up being just like grandpa or just like grandma, they ended up being just like their coach. They ended up being just like their teacher. They ended up being just like their boss spiritually. If that is the reality, and, and I believe that it is, how important should we believe it is that we live out our faith on a daily basis and we show people who Jesus really is? Because if their story goes like ours and ours went like our dads and our grandpas and our moms and our grandmas, then we ought to take our faith so seriously because possibly um, we can be the generation that begins to change the narrative going forward. Well, and as you know, my story, my dad came to faith in Christ about five years before I did. And he he started praying for his son. And what, what's cool about his story is, you know, he kind of changed his destiny of, of the, his past growing up with an alcoholic father and then giving his life to Christ. But then he started to pray for me and he's helped change the direction, the future of our family. Yeah. And, and look how your story lines up and how you get to be that 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 generation of change. Right. I mean, you you walked in the ways of your father who went a lot of his life and into his adult life began to know Jesus. You lived a lot of your life and in your adult life began to know Jesus. But now your son, Mason, who walks in the way of his father, well, he only knows a dad who's known Jesus. So Mason from an early age is at church, serving in church, 
inviting his friends, um, worshiping who Jesus is. He's been baptized. Like when Mason's, when your grandson walks in the way of his father, it will be a father whose life looks different than his grandfather's did because you're in that gap generation saying, no, I, I can change things and you are changing things. So it's critical for us, regardless of how dad, mom, grandma, grandpa, coaches, teachers, former pastors lived, we now get to set the narrative for the next generation if our kids walk in a faith just like ours. Absolutely. You know, is why we strive as parents to try to let our kids see a genuine faith. And, and, and there's times we struggle and, and to let them see a genuine faith that makes mistakes but tries to follow Jesus well. You know, there's... Uh, there's a great verse that you share in the message, and it's tucked away in, in Second Chronicles chapter 20. And it's verse 12, uh, the, the latter part of that verse, and it says this, and it's, it, it, it's so powerful. It says, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And th- in this recorded story, King Jehoph- uh, Jehoshaphat offered us a, a great example of seeking God while in the face of a great danger he saw off in the distance. So if, as you have led... As you continue to lead at JCI, how have you seen this example play out in your experience? Well, let's just take JCI and leadership away from it, right? Just in my life as a Christian, this prayer is true of me today. There are things in my life that I don't know what to do, so I'm looking to God. This prayer was true of my life yesterday. There were things I didn't know what to do, so I'm looking to God. This will be true of my life tomorrow. God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. And we, when we begin to pray that prayer, it's funny because our, our words say that prayer. God, I don't know what to do, so my eyes are on you. But our actions say this prayer. God, I don't know what to do, so I'm going to try this. And God, I don't know what to do, so I'm going to try this. And God, I know you want me to be patient, but I, but I can't, so I'm going to do this. So our, our prayer says, God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. But our life says, God, I don't know what to do, so I'm just going to try something else. Because we've not learned to wait and trust. And when we see Jehoshaphat learn to wait and trust God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. And as he begins to lean into how you see God and how you see his will, and he patiently processes that, he begins to see God's will for his life, which is what this entire message really is about. How to, when you don't know what to do, but you're looking for God's will, how do you see it? That's what this whole message is about. It is. And, you know, there's there's two words that you share uh, that I'll probably butcher as I read them, but it's Urim and Thummim. Uh, c- can you speak to their significance? Yeah. So so the Urim and the Thummim were basically two rocks, maybe two like wooden trinkets, for lack of a better word. And I call them spiritual dice. That's a really unspiritual way to refer to something that the high priest of God carried around in his ephod, in his in his breastplate. But that's but that's what they were. They were two objects, um, umim, uh, urim, and thumim. Literally mean light and truth. These were two objects that helped the people of Israel discern or know the will of God. And what this shows us is that God. God is not a God who's mysterious. God is not a God who's hiding. God is not a God who wants us to figure it out the hard way. God is a God who wants to reveal his will to us. It's why Romans one twenty says, look around at creation. God's showing you himself. It's why we have all the special revelation of scripture. God's speaking to man and having it recorded and preserved so that we can know it. And even beyond that, through his spirit, God says, I'm going to tell the high priest, he's going to keep these two stones right in the pocket of his breastplate over his heart, because I always want in your heart, 
you to have the ability to know what my truth is. You to have the ability to know what my direction for your life is. So they would go to the high priest and say, what does God want us to do in, in this situation? And the high priest would take that Urim and that Thummim, and he would toss them out. Uh, we don't have any of them preserved in archaeology, so we don't know if they had words on them. We don't know if one was one color and, and one was another color. We don't know if they were different shapes. We just know that when they would cast those Urim and Thummim before God in the temple by the high priest or in the tabernacle by the high priest, God would answer. He would reveal himself to people. And God still is all about revealing himself to people. When we don't know what to do, but we turn and look to God and say, what do we do God answers. It's always God's heart to reveal God's will to the people of God. And that's really what this message is about, because, you know, this this thought of God, my eyes are on you. Um, that's not a decision that you make. That's a direction that you live like having our eyes on God. We, we talk about this in the message. So, God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. What does that mean? That means I get in your word. What does it mean to put your eyes on God? It means you get in his word and you begin to try to learn and see what God has for you. What does it mean to have your eyes on God? It means you enter a season of prayer and you ask God to really reveal his truth over your heart so your your spirit understands what God is calling you to do. What does it mean that your eyes are on God? It means you're talking to wise counsel that you trust spiritually and saying, what do you think about this? And you're looking for unity among many different counselors. What does it mean that my eyes are on you. It means I'm checking the direction of my life to make sure that it glorifies God or shows other people God. This this prayer of God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you does not put us in a posture of waiting. It actually puts us in a posture of pursuit. So we begin to pursue God and we seek his will by the way that he's revealed himself to us. Those things are actually like throwing our Urim and Thummim. When we pursue those things, we are saying, God, show us And then we have to be real faithful that when God shows us and speaks to us, we do it. You know, it's interesting that they were near the heart. As I I read Scripture, I see throughout Scripture God interested in the heart. You know, in Psalm 119.11, I have hidden your word in my heart, Lord, that I might not sin against you. Even Romans in chapter 10, talking about salvation, it's it's not in the mind, it's in the heart. Right. So it's it's interesting that uh, that's where God had the, the high priest keep those. Yeah, it was it, they weren't in his hat, and he wore a hat, he wore a turban, yeah. right? It wasn't something he needed to, to understand and think. It was something he needed to feel from his spirit. Knowing the will of God is not just simply knowledge. It's something that touches your heart and your soul. Absolutely. You know, you you made a statement in your message. You can know what God is saying to you now by verifying what God said to others in the past. So why is the part of God's character as immutable so important? Yeah, so the word immutable means unchanging, right? The the word mutate or mutant, you think of X-Men. They they could change. They you know, they had the ability to change. There was a gene change in them. Jesus is not a mutant. Jesus was supernatural. Um, Jesus was God. But Scripture says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, which means the words Jesus spoke to people 2,000 years ago apply to us in the same manner and in the same direction. And the Apostle Paul said, when you look back at Scripture, he told the church at Corinth, listen, all these things that have been written in Scripture, those were all written as examples for you. So that when you found yourself in similar situations, you could know what to do based on what God 
told them. Uh, Paul told a, a young apprentice kid he was mentoring named Timothy, listen, all scripture is God breathed and it's useful for your life. Everything in scripture is useful for your life. So we have the ability when we say, you know, what, what is God, what would God say to me in this situation? The reality is through thousands of years of recorded spiritual history, we can probably find someone just like us in a situation just like ours, and we can see what God said. We can see what God did. We can see what went right. We can see what went wrong. Scripture wasn't just given to us as a as a tool to learn. It was given to us as, like Hebrews 4.12, one of our memory verses in our Be Still Challenge says, it's alive and it's active and it's speaking to us real time. So I can find myself in a situation and say, man, what is God saying to me? And I can usually go back in scripture and find a man or a woman in a similar situation. And I can say, what did God tell them? And it applies to me too. What did they do? I can do the same things too. What did they do that was right? I can do that. What did they do that was wrong? If I do that, it might result in the exact same thing. And I can learn from scripture. When, when I find myself in a situation where I'm afraid, I can go to Joshua 1.9 and I can see God tell Joshua, um, be, be strong, be courageous, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. And I can hear those word, words now thousands of years later and what God said to Joshua then, God is saying to me now. I can sit with a couple who's struggling in marriage and I can look at the book of Hosea with them. I can look at a husband whose wife has maybe had an affair. And I can say, look at what God said to Hosea when he said, take this unfaithful wife back and love her because it'll show her who I am to you and your marriage when it makes it will show the whole world how God loves people in spite of their unfaithfulness. And I can say what God said to Hosea thousands of years ago, he's saying to you now through his spirit, God is making the scripture alive to you today. So we look at scripture and we say, well, how do I know what God is saying? You can know what God is speaking by what he spoke. And it's why Christians should become as much as possible experts and knowledgeable in what God said, because what God said to them, he often says to us too in real time. Which leads into the next part, which was really stood out to me. It, it, it said, Christians don't read their Bibles to read they read their Bibles to hear, and you reference Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen. All uh, all Scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, how have you seen this happen practically for you? Well, even today, right? So, I, I this morning um, I open up my Bible to read in our daily Bible reading in Jeremiah. I said a little prayer that I've whispered for almost 20 years. Every time I open my Bible, I take a deep breath and I say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Uh, I was taught to do that by a mentor in college. It's Samuel's prayer laying in the tabernacle when he learned to hear from God. I open my Bible and I'm not I'm not just reading. I open my Bible and I say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I want to hear from God. So today I read the narrative of Jeremiah in Jerusalem in the final days before Babylon conquers it. I read that Babylon finally puts the city under siege. They conquer it. But Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, heard there was a prophet of God who'd been telling the people, surrender, surrender and go to Babylon. Um, I'll take care of you there. This is my will to use Nebuchadnezzar to do this. And he tells Nebu, uh, Nebuzaradan, who's the commander of his army, find that prophet, find the guy Jeremiah, tell him he can do whatever he wants. I heard that God was speaking to him about me. Tell him he can come to Babylon. I'll take care of him. 
tell me he can stay in Jerusalem. He can write his own ticket because God is speaking to him about me. And the guy does that. Jeremiah decides to stay in Jerusalem. But there's a crew in Jerusalem who's afraid to stay there because they're afraid of the next attack. So they want to go to Egypt and live under the protection of the king of Egypt. And they go to Jeremiah and say, ask God, should we stay or should we go? So Jeremiah prays, God, should we stay or should we go? Um, And God, 10 days later, gives him an answer and says, stay. If you stay, I'll protect you. If you stay, I'll bless you. If you stay, you're going to resettle the land. If you stay, I promise that I'll always be with you. But if you go, you're going to die. Because on his way out of Israel, Nebuchadnezzar is actually going to swing south. He's going to conquer Egypt before he goes home. So if you stay, you're good. If you go, you're going to die. And Jeremiah tells the people, and they look at him and say, we don't believe you. We, we can't trust that. Uh, we hear what God is saying, but it doesn't make sense to us. So we're going to go. And they went. And history tells us they died. As I'm reading that today, right, I'm reading. As I'm reading that today, I'm hearing God say, Christian, there's so many times when there's a clear verse of scripture that says give and it'll be given to you. And you look at your finances and say, I don't know how I can do that. Learn to trust me. Christians, there's so many times in scripture when I say turn the other cheek, but you've been deeply offended and you don't want to. Um, Christian, learn to trust me. Christian, there's times where I say in scripture, don't let a root of bitterness grow, but you refuse to let go of something in your life. Christian, learn to trust me. So as I'm reading about Jeremiah, I'm hearing from God A lot of times, things will not make sense naturally. Trust the supernatural. You know, I'm reading thinking, why didn't these people listen to Jeremiah? Why would they not trust God? And God is saying to me, why won't you listen to the words of Scripture? Why won't you trust me? It's like, okay, God, I not only am reading this story, I'm hearing from you. And I wrote in my journal, I have to learn to trust. When there seem like no good natural answers, I have to learn to trust the supernatural ones. And if you're listening and, you know, the name of this podcast is Activate, because we want people to activate their faith. And, and and so 20 years ago, when I came to Christ, I was taught to read my Bible. And at first it was probably a checklist, a little bit, just getting in the routine of it. But then I learned to hear and I learned to respond. I learned to obey. I read James, you know, don't just listen, but do. Um, and so it changed my life. It got it got a lot of things out of my life. If you've listened to the podcast recently, you've heard me share my story pretty far from God guy uh, that God got a hold of and, and he changed me into a passionate Christian. So, but it took um, some real practices of hearing from God and then doing, and, it, and he changed my life. And that's why we're asking people to journal as a part of our be still challenge, because journaling takes you from reading to thinking, which takes you from reading to hearing, right? When you ask those questions, what did I read? Does any of this apply to me? What should I do? You go from having read some pages to having thought about what they mean, to now having processed hearing from the Spirit. That's why that exercise of journaling, which takes an extra three to five minutes, is so important because it translates reading to hearing. And boy, when you begin to hear the voice of God, everything changes if you'll obey it. You want to keep calling them. Absolutely. You want to keep listening. You closed your message with three ways to identify if you're if you are in God's will for your life. And one of the ways was to determine uh, whether the two types of spiritual fruit are in your life. And those two types uh, were actions that bring God glory and additions to the kingdom of God through souls. So what does this what does this look like in a person's life? Well, first, I mean, here's a here's a really simple truth, right? God's will will never be for you to produce unspiritual fruit. Like if you're wondering, what's God's will for my life? 
and any of those answers is something that produces unspiritual fruit in you, check it off. It's not God's will for your life. God's will for your life will never be to produce unspiritual fruit. So it's always the route that produces spiritual fruit that gives God glory, that makes people think well of God. Or it's the route that brings additions. You know, spiritual fruit are actions that bring God glory, things that make you look like Jesus. And spiritual fruit is described as people who who come to know God, people um, who find faith because of your life. So when you really begin to ask the question, how do I know if this is God's will for my life? Uh, right? We we say go to God's word and confirm it there. Um, if you're thinking, hey, I think it's God's will for my life to do this, and then there's a verse that says, don't ever do that. That's not God's will for your yeah, life, right? Yeah, Scripture has to confirm it. Um, secondly, we say talk to people that that give wise counsel or, or commit it to a season of prayer. Commit it to that forty days of prayer. And, and what I do is I say, God, I think. Through what you've been speaking to me, through confirmation in your word, this is your will, but I'm going to pray on it for 40 days. So bring some things into my life to make it real clear. Open my heart to it. Close my heart to it. Um, but Lord, I'm going to give you this 40-day season of prayer. And while I do that, I'm going to talk to people that I trust deeply. I'm going to talk to our elders. I'm going to talk to our pastors. And I'm going to say, here's what I think God spoke to me. Here's where God's word confirms it could be a direction. I've been praying and I'm still kind of wondering, yes or no, so what What do you think? Based on how you understand God's word, how you live your life, what do you think? Um, and then after I do that, even when a decision's made, I say, okay, is this something that's going to bring God glory? Is this something that can help someone find God who doesn't know him yet? And when you live in that direction, right, it's a simple prayer. God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. What does it look like to have your eyes on God? Get in his word, get in prayer, talk to people check things for spiritual fruit. Uh, when you begin to do that, it's easy to get to the end of a process and think, I actually know pretty clearly what God's will is. It's taken 40 or 60 days, but I believe it's really, really clear now what God's will is for my life because I've seen all these things. God, I didn't know what to do, so my eyes were on you. But now that I've gone through this, I in faith can walk forward believing you're going to be with me because I think this is your will for my life. And that's what Jehoshaphat did, and that's what we can do today as we continue to follow these processes. I think we could speak on a blanket basis here that God's will for every one of us is to serve him and love him and let there be fruit in our life. So I think that we very clearly, when we do this, Man, I don't want to say that it feels good, but it, it fulfills us. It fulfills us to see fruit coming out of our life and helping others and seeing people find joy and peace and, and overcoming obstacles or finding a, a way to follow Jesus and know that they're forgiven. I mean, it is it is God's will. So as you're listening and trying to figure out God's will for your life, man, be, begin there. Begin serving. Begin finding a way to, to have some fruit that helps and loves others. So uh, thank you, Pastor Christian. And we thank you again for listening to the podcast. Uh, we continue to hear stories of how God has been speaking to people uh, throughout this message series. I love the emails, so we would love to hear you share your story. If you would share that uh, by sending us an email at activate at takethejourney.cc. We pray our conversation has, as always, hopefully been encouraging and challenging. And we'll catch you next time on the Activate podcast where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for listening to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. If you are ever in the Kansas City area, we would love for you to join us for one of our Sunday worship experiences. 
You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. Also, if you have enjoyed this podcast, help us get the word out and show your support by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes or Google Play. Please share this episode with all your friends on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.